calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another mini What's in the News episode number 248. Nuts, right? Isn't that wild that I've done this many mini episodes? Every week that I write the number at the heading of my notes is just like, wow, damn, All right. Anyways, before I get into today's topics, and I do have quite a bit to discuss, I do want to remind all of you that there is going to be a Coming Out Stories episode again this year, and I would really, really love to have as many stories as possible. And so far, I haven't gotten very many. And if I don't get very many stories, I can't do the episode. So it's making me a little bit nervous. So Please send in your coming out stories. I would really greatly appreciate it. It's truly just, it's been one of the best episodes every single time that the show has put one up. I really, really enjoy them. I feel like it is such a great healing opportunity. It helps give a great sense of community. I really love all of the support that I always receive after putting out those episodes. So if you have the notion, the need, the want to send your story, this is a really, really wonderful place to be able to share. If you're worried about remaining anonymous, don't worry about it, please. I do have your health and safety in mind all the time. You can just let me know that you want to remain anonymous. And if I do notice any sort of like descriptors or details that I think may give any indication to who you are, I'll even make sure that I leave those things out. Your protection is of the utmost importance in these stories, especially if you are a minor. Let me know and I will not be using your name. Secondly, now is a great time to join the Angry Feminist Book Club if you haven't done so already. This month for Pride Month, I am reading Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winterson. You can expect that first episode coming up within the week. I will keep you posted on specifics. But if you want to be a member of the Angry Feminist Book Club, you can just go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist or go to the link in the bio in the show notes or on the Instagram page and you can join the book club at the $5 level. If you want to spend $8 a month, you can also get all of these episodes ad-free. 
as part of the feminist faves level. All right, I don't need to go on any further about any of that stuff because, like I said, I do have a lot of things to discuss today. So let's get into the news topics. One of the most major things that is being discussed right now are the Canadian wildfires. Over the last six weeks, massive wildfires have spread across Canada, causing mass evacuations across the country, with fires having burned through more land than the state of Maryland. Canada's wildfire seasons occur from May to October, but having such destruction so early on in the season is very rare, which is scary. At this rate, only one month in, Canada is on track to have its most destructive wildfire season in history, with more than 400 fires that have already displaced 20,000 people. The fires aren't just affecting Canadians either. Smoke from the fires have spread across a large portion of the United States, mainly in the East Coast. So why is this happening? Much of Canada, much like the rest of North America, has experienced record heat and drought as climate change continues to warm the planet. Warm and dry conditions make perfect kindling for wildfires. And just how warm is it in Canada right now? In late May, Canada experienced its hottest day ever when light in British Columbia hit 121 degrees Fahrenheit, tying with California's Death Valley as the hottest place in North America that day. In the areas where the fires are now raging, which are all considered prairie areas of Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba, the drought has hit particularly hard. Dry, hot weather also breeds more lightning. In a normal fire season, half of the wildfires in Canada are actually started by lightning. It's thought that the fires in Quebec started from lightning, but the rest are thought to have been caused by humans, either from discarded cigarette butts or sparks from passing trains. But with these really harsh weather conditions, it makes it really hard to fight these fires. The country is currently at a National Preparedness Level 5, meaning they are using all of its national resources to mobilize the fight against the fires, which even includes assistance from Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa coming to help fight the fires. So far, more than 950 firefighters and other personnel have arrived from other countries, and more are due soon. Firefighters from the United States are also being sent to Canada for support. On Wednesday, President Biden said in a tweet, We've deployed more than 600 U.S. firefighters, support personnel, and equipment to support Canada as they respond to record wildfires, events that are intensifying because of the climate crisis. And things are not projected to get much better in the month of June. The Canadian government issued an updated outlook for the wildfire season, stating, Current June predictions indicate the potential for continued higher-than-normal fire activity across most of the country throughout the 2023 wildland fire season due to ongoing drought and low-range forecasts for warm temperatures. U.S. National Weather Service meteorologist Zach Taylor said the current weather pattern in central and eastern United States is essentially funneling in the smoke. New York Governor Kathy Hochul said that they have 1 million N95 masks available to state facilities. The state has closed beaches, and the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, told residents to stay indoors as much as possible. The Bronx and Central Park zoos have closed early and brought their animals inside. The Federal Aviation Administration paused some flights bound for the east because smoke was limiting visibility, leading to many flight cancellations across the country. Major League Baseball games have also been called off in New York, Philadelphia, and even some indoor basketball games have been called off in the area as well. 
Schools in multiple states have canceled sports and other outdoor activities and have moved their recesses inside. Here's some more information about wildfires and the climate crisis that I received from the website of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the United States Environment Program. Drought and persistent heat set the stage for the disastrous wildfire seasons from 2020 to 2022 across many western states, with all three years surpassing the average of 1.2 million acres burned since 2016. For much of the western United States, projections show that an average annual 1 degree Celsius temperature increase would increase the median burned area per year by as much as 600%. In a moderate scenario for global warming, catastrophic fire could increase by up to a third by 2050 and up to 52% by 2100. If emissions are not curbed and the planet heats up more, wildfire risks could rise up to 57% by the end of this century. According to experts, there isn't the right attention from governments to prevent fires. The UN reports urges governments to become more proactive about fire hazards. Of every dollar spent in the United States on managing wildfires, almost 60 cents goes toward the immediate firefighting responses and less on reducing fire risk in advance and helping communities recover in ways that could make them more resilient. This is the problem. I feel like a lot of times a lot of the laws that we pass for these types of emergencies are kind of like band-aid situations for these problems. We're going to fix the problem as it comes instead of setting us up for success in the future. Why are we not taking more steps toward preventing these wildfires? And it is really shocking to see the East Coast experiencing all of this pretty much for the first time time that I'm aware of. I mean, I don't love that I have to deal with fire season here every year, but it is something that I've gotten a little bit used to. I know, you know, when the sky starts to look a little funky and the air smells terrible and you've got to stay inside and it's just spreading. It's getting worse everywhere. And that's why I just don't understand that there are people that are denying that we are within this climate crisis You have to completely have your head in the sand if you think that we're just like doing okay. I really, really hope that these Canadian fires can get under control as soon as possible and that there will be enough preventative measures given to them so that they can prepare themselves for the rest of this fire season because it doesn't sound like it's projected to get any better. Okay. The next thing I want to talk about was a last minute thing that I just saw this morning and I thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about and it's something that since I read it really just kind of want to talk about and get it all off my chest. I saw online that the YouTuber Miranda Sings, real name Colleen Ballinger, Bollinger, I'm going to say Bollinger for the sake of this episode, who was like super popular in the 2010s is being accused of grooming minors online. So for those of you who don't know Miranda Sings, she is the YouTuber that always had the really messily done, overdrawn red lipstick on and would sing songs and was really like wonky and silly and out of this world, just like hyper. I was never into her videos at all. I definitely think that she had more of a younger fan base and in reading the articles about 
her potential grooming, it does seem that most of her fan base was in fact mostly children. And these kids are now adults who are speaking out about how she and her best friend Corey DeSoto used their platforms to reportedly groom children online. Bellinger is now 36 years old, but when she was 30, at like the height of her popularity, her fans were generally between the ages of 12 and 17. During this time, she allegedly used group chats to form close relationships with children and make them feel special. She would talk to them about her marriage, sex life, and trauma, and ask minors for their favorite sexual positions and about their virginity, which are all signs of grooming. Now, I feel like Grooming has become one of those like right wing trigger words, which I really fucking hate. I hate when people take legitimate terms that are used by like the medical community, the psychological community, and kind of like co opt them into these like trendy sort of phrases or words. And the right right now is really focusing on the fact that allegedly transgender and drag queens are transgender people and drag queens are grooming our children and teachers are grooming our children to be gay and there's so much discussion of grooming that's so incorrect that it almost like makes me worry about discussing real grooming because I feel like it's just not being taken seriously enough and it's really really upsetting to me because the more that it's trivialized or being used incorrectly, the less we're going to be able to actually protect the victims of grooming. So let's get into it a little bit. A former friend of Miranda Sings, Adam McIntyre, posted a video of screenshots of these group chats with one of them showing Ballinger asking him at 15 about his virginity. This video he posted back in 2020 where she was asking minors for pics and added that she had once sent him lingerie. I'll get into that a little bit more later. She also exploited him for child labor for years, showing evidence that he ran her social media accounts for free. Adam had first uploaded this video about his emotionally abusive friendship with the YouTuber in 2020 in a 25-minute video entitled, Colleen Ballinger, Stop Lying. According to Adam, he discovered Miranda Sings in 2012 and made fan pages dedicated to her. After 2016, Ballinger began speaking with him on a more personal level, and he said they became good friends by 2017. When they first connected, Adam was only 13 years old and Ballinger was in her 30s. Ballinger and her friend Corey found Adam's Twitter account during a live stream, and they found his tweets so funny that they wanted to send him a bra and panties Corey was wearing. It had seemed like a joke at first, but Ballinger sent the teen the lingerie as promised, which made Adam's parents furious. They said they were wary of the relationship but wanted to support their son because he idolized her. Oh, God, don't do that. Eventually, the conversations led to Ballinger telling Adam about her divorce and other private details about her life. He eventually took over her Twitter account for a while to help her increase her follower count for free. When Adam finally spoke up, she ran a smear campaign against him and she eventually put out an apology video. Here's what she had to say about sending the lingerie. In this live stream, I did a giveaway. I was giving away clothes that were unused, tags still on, brand new, that I did not want. One of the items that was in the box was a really ugly pair of underwear. As soon as we pulled them out, Cody and I started laughing and joking about how ugly they were. She noted that people, including Adam, were asking to purchase them. 
She says that she forgot to send them after the live stream, but Adam then reached out to her to ask for it again, and this time she sent it. She says in the video, And so in my mind at the time, this was no different than all the other weird stuff I sent to my fans as a joke. Now, in hindsight, I see how completely stupid of me. I should have never sent that. I don't know what part of my mind was missing at the time that I thought, oh, this is a normal silly thing to do. But it was never a sneaky, creepy, gross thing that I was doing in secret. It was a silly, stupid mistake that now is being blown way out of proportion. I don't think so. I think that anytime a grown adult has any sort of inappropriate sexual conversation with a child or has any sort of inappropriate sexual interaction with a child, which to me includes sending them lingerie, I think that that's incredibly manipulative and abusive and gross and icky. So I very much uh, differ with your opinion there. She finished the video saying, No, I should never have sent a fan underwear. How stupid am I? No, I definitely should never have given him access to my Twitter account. And no, I should not have talked to him as often as I did. But I am not a monster, I am not a groomer, and I shouldn't kill myself. So that response was from back in 2020 responding to Adam's first video. Colleen Ballinger has released no comment as of lately with the most recent video he put up and more allegations coming out against her, especially all over TikTok. There are a lot of young adults who are coming out and sharing their experiences as children interacting with this person online. And it's very, very upsetting. And I feel like it also really speaks to parasocial relationships. And I feel like that even, you know, in a way ties into like my relationship with you all, you know, you know, so much about me, but you don't fully know me, you know what I mean? And if and I do take a really big responsibility in being someone who I guess is like out there in the world and does build relationships with listeners that I've you know never met and things like that. I do always think about that line and where my boundaries lie with a lot of that. And especially having so many listeners that are children and that are much younger than myself, you know, I really always have to think what is the most appropriate way for me to be able to be in this person's life or in this child's life. I always want to be there for support and things like that. But I think that it's really important that any adult that is in this type of work sees the power and responsibility that they have as well. And that you cannot treat children the same way that you treat adults. Having discussions about sex and your private life, it's a little bit different when you have two consenting adults. But when you are speaking with a child about this, the power dynamic is such that no matter how you spin it, it's fucked up. So I wanted to do a little bit more research specifically about online grooming for children. And according to Childline, an online service in the UK that helps young people with personal issues, there are six signs of online grooming to look out for. Number one is sending your child many messages. Two, telling the child to keep conversations a secret. Three, asking questions to see if a child is alone in a room. Four, 
sending sexual messages that could be disguised as compliments or questions about past sexual experience, five, trying to get personal information about the child or where they live, six, manipulating children to send photos or blackmailing them with photos the child may have already sent. Online grooming, much like in-person grooming, works by building trust between the predator and the child. But with online grooming, a person can also more easily lie about their name, age, gender, life experiences, and anything else. And because of any previous grooming up to the point of abuse, children do not feel as though they have a way out. The Child Exploitation and Online Protection Command, or CEOP, explains that predators will maintain control of a child with blackmail, isolation, blaming the child, or bargaining with them. Here are some signs that a child is a victim of grooming. 1. Secrecy about who they're talking to. 2. Unusual distractedness or preoccupation. 3. Withdrawing and appearing quieter or sadder. 4. Abrupt mood swings. 5. Inability to turn off phone resulting in worry or stress. And clearly, abusers can be men or women. Just because Colleen Ballinger is a woman doesn't mean that she cannot inflict abuse onto others. It is a terrible misunderstanding that men and boys cannot be sexually abused, and it is the reason that so many of them are not believed or never come forward. When Ballinger came out with her apology video, it completely swept Adam's original video under the rug. So I'm glad that they felt the strength to be able to go up against her once again, and I hope that this can at least be a lesson in what actual grooming looks like in children. I'll have resources in the show notes if you or anyone you know is experiencing sexual assault. Remember that you are not alone and there are support systems out there for you. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, lastly, I hate to do this, but the time has come. I need to start talking more about the 2024 election. It's unbelievable to think that in five months from now, we will again be voting on who will be the president of the United States. Some of the major campaign issues that are expected to be highlighted in this coming election season are, of course, abortion, LGBTQ plus rights, gun laws, the economy, and Democratic backsliding. For the Democratic Party, we have President Joe Biden running for re-election with Kamala Harris as his running mate. Just a reminder, Joe Biden is an 81-year-old man. He was already the oldest person to assume office at the age of 78 in 2020, and if elected for this second term, he will be 86 at the end of it. Holy shit. (laughs) According to a poll from NBC, it shows that 51% of Democrats believe Biden should not run for a second term. Almost half of them said it was due to his age. 
Now, let's talk about another person who is going to be running for the Democratic Party, and that is Robert F. Kennedy Jr., son of Robert F. Kennedy and Ethel Kennedy, nephew of President John F. Kennedy. He was only 14 years old when his father was assassinated while running for the Democratic presidential nomination in 1968. Hopefully history will not repeat itself. No one cancel me for making that joke, please. Robert Jr. was sworn in as an assistant district attorney for Manhattan in 1982, but failed his bar exam, so he had to resign in 1983. He did have a little bit of a rough start to the beginning of his career because he was then charged with heroin possession and received two years probation and community service. Now, I don't know much about his drug use, but the fact that he is from the Kennedy family... It makes sense that you might have some substance abuse issues just to cope with the amount of trauma that that family has been put through, especially all of it being under the public eye. I don't I don't blame him at all for having substance abuse problems. That makes sense to me. Following his arrest, he entered a drug treatment program and volunteered for the Natural Resources Defense Council, and his probation ended a year early. He was eventually admitted to the New York Bar in 1985 and went on to become an environmental law specialist and is an advocate for environmental justice, indigenous rights, and renewable energy. That's one of the big things he's known for, actually, is things to do with the environment and climate change and all that kind of stuff. In his first case as an environmental attorney, Robert Jr. represented the NAACP in a lawsuit against a proposal to build a garbage transfer station in a minority neighborhood of Austin, New York. He has argued that poor communities shoulder the disproportionate burden of environmental pollution. In 2016, he said, Polluters always choose the soft target of poverty. He helped develop the Natural Resource Defense Council's International Program for Environmental Energy and Human Rights. He has sued the U.S. Navy and the U.S. federal government for causes regarding the environment. But, however, there are some major downsides to this man. He expressed skepticism about the COVID-19 pandemic, contending that it served to benefit billionaires. He was a key player in the anti-vax movement, spreading much misinformation and propaganda, even spreading that vaccines can cause autism. But he also was a bit confusing about this stance as well. So this is what he said. People who advocate for safer vaccines should not be marginalized or denounced as anti-vaccine. I am pro-vaccine. I had all six of my children vaccinated. I believe that vaccines have saved the lives of hundreds of millions of humans over the past century and that broad vaccine coverage is critical to public health. But I want our vaccines to be as safe as possible. So it does seem like... A major issue he had with maybe the COVID-19 vaccine was that it was made so quickly, but he was very open about his feelings about it. So it really does make him appear to be pretty anti-vax because he also released an anti-vaccine propaganda video with the Children's Health Defense called Medical Racism, the New Apartheid, which promotes COVID-19 conspiracy theories and claims COVID vaccine efforts are medical experiments on the black community, a la the syphilis experiment. He also has conspiratorial and problematic views on HIV AIDS. He officially filed his candidacy for the Democratic presidential nomination on April 5th, 2025, making him the fifth member of his family to seek the presidency in the United States. Another Democratic candidate is Marianne Williamson, who I have discussed in a prior mini-episode, so I'll just give you a little bit of a recap. 
She's an author and spiritual leader, starting her professional career as the spiritual leader of the Church of Today, a unity church in Warren, Michigan. She has written many self-help books and is a New York Times bestselling author. She rose to prominence in the 90s when she would appear frequently on The Oprah Winfrey Show as Oprah's spiritual advisor. She describes herself as a progressive Democrat with a platform which seeks to increase the federal minimum wage, pass reparations for racial justice, address climate change, tackle student loan debt, and create a U.S. Department of Peace. So I really like a lot of where Marianne is standing on a lot of these issues, but at the same time, being a spiritual leader and self-help book author for some reason rubs me the wrong way. I don't know. And maybe I am totally in the minority here, but I just get weird vibes from most self-help books because I feel like for the most part, a lot of these people don't actually have the authority to be giving this kind of advice. And I also don't really believe that a spiritual leader should necessarily be the leader of our country, especially when we are doing our best to keep things separate between church and state in this country and not have religion affect our laws so much because clearly that is not working in our favor. So it is kind of interesting that she is such a progressive person, and it does sound like her religious beliefs are very progressive as well, but just as much as I would be uncomfortable with, say, you know, a minister running in the Republican Party as I would, you know, maybe a spiritual healer in the Democratic Party. You know what I mean? I think that that would be a double standard if I wasn't a little bit concerned about it. And uh, y'all know me, I'm wary as fuck of religion. So. so let's talk a little bit about the Republican Party. Of course, we've got former president, twice impeached Donald Trump. And though he was seen as the frontliner of the party, there are some drawbacks with the January 6th hearings, the FBI raid on his properties, his indictment for hush money, and most recently he was found liable for sexual abuse and defamation. A Yahoo News poll shows that 57% of Republicans, however, would still vote for him again this time around. What the fuck is wrong with you people? He announced, though, that he will not have his former vice president, Mike Pence, as his running mate. On February 14th, 2023, Nikki Haley filed for candidacy, making her Trump's first official challenger. She believes that Florida's don't say gay bill doesn't go far enough. Fun! But of course, Trump's biggest adversary will be Ron DeSantis, who's ready to, quote, destroy leftism in the United States. DeSantis has led an effort to ban the teaching of critical race theory in Florida public schools, describing critical race theory as teaching kids to hate their country. He started the Stop Woke Act in December 2021, which would allow parents to sue school districts who teach critical race theory designed to combat woke indoctrination. I really, really hate Republicans' obsession with the word woke. It's fucking gross. As I discussed on the show, this act was blocked in August of 2022 with a Florida judge stating that it violates the First Amendment and it's too vague. DeSantis has banned trans women and girls from participating and competing in mid- participating and competing in middle and high school girls sports as well as college women's sports in Florida. He enacted the aforementioned Don't Say Gay Bill in February 2022, which prohibits discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in school classrooms from kindergarten to grade three. 
He has also signed laws against abortion, supports hiring former law enforcement and retired military as armed guards for schools, and is a proponent of the death penalty. Lastly, I gotta mention that former VP again. Mike Pence is looking to get back into the White House, but this time as the head honcho. Pence had his formal campaign kickoff in Iowa where he recalled how Trump asked him to block the certification of Biden's 2020 election win. He said, The American people deserve to know. On that day, President Trump also demanded I choose between him and the Constitution. Now voters will be faced with the same choice. I choose the Constitution and I always will. I believe that anyone who puts themselves over the Constitution should never be president of the United States, and anyone who asks someone else to put them over the Constitution should never be president of the United States again. He's really doing his best to spread the message that he is not the traitor that Trump paints him to be. In his campaign video, Pence states, We can bring this country back. We can defend our nation and secure our border. We could revive our economy and put our nation back on path to a balanced budget, defend our liberties, and give America a new beginning for life. There are many more who are running. As for the Independent Party, Joe Exotic will be running for president. Kanye West is also putting his hat in the race again, and as time goes on, some will get weeded out. But I feel at the moment... The ones that I discussed more thoroughly are the front runners of the race. I really cannot stress how strange it feels to be going through another election cycle on this show, and especially doing it alone is very, very strange, but I'm really excited for this all to get going again. So starting now, we are all going to pay close attention to what's going on with these races and hope to goddess that we get some better people running for that Democratic seat, please. All right, that's all the new stuff that I have for you all today. If there's ever a topic that you want me to cover, please never be afraid to reach out to me. Go ahead and email at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. Please, please, please don't forget to send in your coming out stories. I want them. I need them. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. 10 things I hate about you reference. Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) So if you want to send those in, please, please do so by June 23rd. You can email me or DM me your story. I would greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to support the show on Patreon by joining the book club at the $5 level or the feminist faves level for $8. It is so greatly appreciated. It helps me grow this show so much with your support and I really, really appreciate it. Another way that you can really show your love and support for the show is by leaving a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can rate the show as well on Spotify. All right, that is everything that I have for you today. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. 
You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.